Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, this is Hold Your Fire, a podcast by the International Crisis Group. I'm Richard Atwood. Last week, Chadian security forces killed dozens of protesters on the streets of Chad's capital, Jemena, and other cities and towns. It's the worst violence against the political opposition since President Idris Deby, who held power for more than 30 years, died in April last year, and his son, Mahmoud Deby, took power at the head of a military junta. Today, we're going to look at whether Chad's transition is coming off the rails. In Chad, banned demonstrations turned into a bloodbath. On Thursday, security forces opened fire on demonstrators in the country's two largest cities, killing at least 60 people and wounding hundreds. The protesters demanded the ouster of Mohammad Idris Debi Itno, who took over in the wake of his father's assassination 18 months ago. The African Union and the UN were among the voices condemning the lethal use of force on civilians. In April last year, then-Chadian President Idris Deby was killed when Chadian security forces were fighting rebels a few hundred kilometers north of the capital. Though it's not completely clear how the Chadian leader himself died. Deby had dominated Chadian politics for decades, and people feared that his death could be destabilizing. It wasn't completely clear who would take over. In fact, a 15-man military council stepped in quickly, and they appointed Deby's son, Mahmoud Deby, as transitional leader. Despite the break with constitutional rule, the African Union and Western powers mostly sought to work with the government. They didn't want to rock the boat or upset the role Chadian forces played across the Sahel battling Islamist militants. The AU did, however, insist that Debbie hold elections within a year and a half and stand down. At first, things seemed to go okay. Politics opened up a bit, some exiled opposition leaders returned, and in March this year, Debbie started talks in the Qatari capital, Doha, with rebels, including representatives from FACT, the Front for Change and Concord in Chad, the rebels that Chadian forces had been fighting when Debbie's father died. It was a very tough and difficult talk, but what is important is the result, which we got at the end of uh, this long process. And I think that this uh, agreement will lead us to a sustainable peace in Chad. That was Chadian Foreign Minister Mahmoud Sharif talking about the deal that rebels and the government reached in August. 
but the big rebel groups, including FACT, rejected the deal, in large part because Debbie refused to commit to giving up power after the elections. Then on the 20th of August, a national dialogue got underway in Jemena. Some opposition leaders joined, but the main opposition party, Les Transformateurs, pulled out, again in large part because Debbie wouldn't promise to step down. Then came the announcement that elections would be pushed back until 2024 and Debbie would be able to run for office, which provoked the protests. Since the crackdown, there's little sign of reconciliation from the Chadian authorities. This is Prime Minister Saleh Kitzabo calling the protesters insurgents and claiming the government was facing a rebellion. These insurgents bear the heavy responsibility of around 50 dead and nearly 300 wounded. Following the extremely serious abuses experienced this morning, has taken the following precaution measures. The establishment of a curfew from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. until the total restoration of order. So what's next for Chad? How will the African Union react? What about France, which traditionally has close ties to the Chadian authorities and sees Chadian forces as reliable partners for counterterrorism operations? What prospects are there now for a return to civilian rule? To talk about all this, I'm very happy to welcome onto the podcast Enrique Pico, who's Crisis Group Central Africa Director. Enrique, welcome on. Thank you, Richard. So, Enrique, why don't we then start with the protests and the crackdowns by the security forces? Do you want to talk a little bit about what happened? Yeah. Uh, on 20 October, uh, uh, the protests organized by uh, political opposition and civil society were uh, very violently re- repressed. The violence was unusual. Uh, the official death toll uh, talked about uh, 50 people dead, 300 wounded, uh, hundreds of people arrested. Uh, the bodies of the people killed have not, re- are not been returned to the families uh, yet. The same day, uh, the Prime Minister uh, declared the state of emergency in the country and uh, the curfew uh, in uh, Jamena, in the capital, uh, and in the southern cities uh, of Mundu, Doba and uh, Qumra. And also seven opposition parties uh, were banned the very same day. Uh, among them, Le, the trans- Le Transformateur, uh, one of the most vocal, uh, one of the main opposition parties led by uh, Success Masra and uh, also the Chadian Socialist Party. Uh, the situation is still very tense. Uh, the police uh, uh, continue with uh, perquisition and arrest. Uh, hundreds of people uh, have been uh, taken from their uh, home and uh, uh, are uh, now uh, in uh, in prison. So uh, we are still far from uh, go back to a calm to a quiet situation. And the crackdown. I mean, the the shooting of protesters. A lot of this. A lot of this was in the capital, Jemena, or also in the other cities. No, in uh, all uh, the different uh, cities uh, in Jamena and mainly in the south, uh, there were uh, uh, the protests uh, actually involved the destruction of some buildings and some properties, uh, and they were uh, violently repressed by uh, the police. Most of the city where the protests took place were in the south because uh, during this uh, last year of the uh, transition, uh, the tension between uh, northerners and southerners are uh, have been growing, uh, and after uh, more than thirty years uh, that the power uh, is in the end of people from the north, uh, Chadian from the south are now calling uh, for uh, uh, an alternation in power. And we'll talk about some of those tensions in a moment. Just though, before we do, I mean, there's, there's also these reports that some of the protesters, the ones that have been arrested, have been taken up to this sort of notorious 
prison up in the desert, Korotoro, uh, 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 in, in, in the north. I mean, do, do, do you know anything about that? Or? The International Federation of Human Rights denounced uh, the deportation of uh, hundreds of people to that prison. It's difficult to have details because uh, uh, most of the people now, uh, they do not leave their homes because they are afraid of getting arrested, they are afraid of more repression. The government uh, is trying to avoid uh, any uh, public gathering. This is also why it did not return the bodies of the victim to the family. And uh, they are trying to uh, keep uh, everybody far from uh, uh, organizing uh, other protests. Also because the government uh, is now reacting to what it called uh, an armed insurrection, a rebellion that, uh, according to them, was prepared uh, by opposition and civil society to overthrow the president of the transition, Mamad Debi. And Debi himself and some of the members of the government have said that the protesters were armed. I mean, they're mostly quite young people, from what I understand. The government has said they were armed and as you say, it's, been, it's, it's a rebellion. Do you have any way of assessing how much that's true? This is what uh, uh, the transitional government said since the uh, eve of the protest. On 19 October, uh, there was already an official statement calling uh, the people to stay at home because, uh, according to government sources, there were uh, 1,500 people ready to prepare a rebellion and to take power. Uh, this, of course, uh, is uh, the government position. This is why, uh, according to the statement uh, of Mamad Debi a couple of days ago, the reaction of the police uh, was completely justified. It's difficult to have uh, exact information, uh, but the report of people brutally killed by the police uh, and uh, the report of the police opening fire on uh, protesters uh, that uh, were not armed are uh, circulating everywhere in uh, Jamena. And uh, many testimonies uh, confirm that uh, the repression was not proportional to the violence of some protesters. And so, Enrique, let's back up a bit then, back to April last year, 2021, when Mohamed Debi, the uh, Debi Jr., when his father, Idris Debi, long-serving ruler of Chad, held power for 30 years, was killed seemingly in a skirmish with rebels, this group that we heard up top, the fact. And let's talk a little bit about how we got here. Could we start then? So Debi Sr., Idris Debi, died, and this transitional military council, 15 generals, assumed power and nominated his son as transitional ruler, in essence. Yeah, exactly. Uh, President uh, Idris Debi was killed in combat uh, during an offensive of, uh, de facto, the Front for Change and Concord, an armed group uh, which is uh, uh, mainly based uh, in Libya. The offensive was uh, eventually stopped by intervention uh, by the intervention of France uh, that with uh, some uh, uh, airplanes managed to stop the advance of the rebel towards the capital in Jamena. But uh, uh, the country found itself uh, in a very unusual and unexpected situation. Fifteen generals, uh, as, uh, as you said, Richard, reacted very quickly, putting, uh, choosing uh, Mamad, one of the sons of the B, as president uh, of the military junta and uh, uh, taking power uh, uh, against the constitutional uh, rules. 
The African Union uh, immediately reacted uh, to this uh, change of power in a, with an exception, with, was, uh, with what, what became the, Ch- the Chadian uh, exception. Chad was not uh, treated as a coup d'etat. The situation in Chad was not treated as a coup d'etat, like in other country, uh, unlike in other countries in the region. But uh, the African Union gave uh, to the new military junta two conditions. One was uh, related to the duration of the transition, only 18 months, uh, renewable only once. And the second one was related to the ineligibility of the member of the transition in the election that uh, were supposed to end uh, over power again to civilians at the end of the 18 months. It seems that uh, uh, the uh, regime was committed to respect those two conditions, but the events of the uh, last uh, uh, couple of months show that uh, the militaries are not ready to end over power. So in essence, Addis, the the African Union said, uh, you've got basically a year and a half before you hand over to hold elections, hand over to civilians, and none of you on the Transitional Council, including Mahmoud Debi, none of you can actually then run to be president. And as you say, the the Transitional Military Council seemed to have accepted this, or at least they didn't say anything against that. But why did the African Union sort of justify this, this exception for Chad? I would say that the African Union privileged last year the stability of Chad over chances to see an alternation in power. Addis has always been quite strict in condemning the coup and suspending even powerful countries such as Sudan in 2019 when a coup happened until the power was returned to the civilian authorities. The case of Chad was treated in a different way, was considered in a different way, uh, mainly because of the role Chad played in uh, the region and uh, in the fight against jihadism in the Sahel. There is also a political consideration to be made because uh, the current chairperson of the African Union is uh, a former uh, Chadian uh, foreign minister. Moussa Faki was actually uh, put in uh, his post, uh, was actually pushed to take his post in the African uh, Union by uh, late President uh, Idris Deby and uh, since then uh, has been uh, always uh, key in uh, many decisions taken taken specifically about uh, the fight against uh, uh, jihadism. It's clear now, uh, 18 months after this decision, uh, that uh, the uh, strategy of the African Union uh, failed. The caution uh, in terms of condemning the change of power, the unconstitutional change of power, did not uh, bring uh, the military junta and the transitional authority to uh, the changes and the opening of the uh, political scene that uh, the African Union uh, expected. And Enrique, could you say a word or two about Mahmoud Debi? So initially there was some hope, maybe there still is, that he represented something a bit different to his father. Yeah, Mahmoud Debi represented, first of all, a, a generational change. He was only 37 years old when he uh, took the presidency of the junta. And uh, for many Chadians also represent already a change in the sense that young people, new generation, could finally have uh, some space uh, in uh, among the power elite. He was also uh, more uh, open uh, than, uh, than his father uh, and uh, uh, For the first time uh, in 30 years, the public debate uh, was uh, relatively accessible. People could uh, talk in the street, uh, could express their opinion uh, online, uh, on social uh, media platform uh, and uh, offline. 
there was uh, uh, there were uh, gathering uh, organized by civil society organizations uh, and opposition in Jamena for instance in January uh, le transformateur uh, the opposition party le transformateur organized a multitudinary uh, gathering uh, in uh, in the capital stadium uh, with more than 30,000 people there uh, to talk about the future uh, of the country and this was unthinkable under uh, uh, the bis father so the hopes were justified in some way uh, there have been uh, Uh, some opening and some direct talks and negotiation with the historical opponents of the regime, both among uh, uh, rebel groups and uh, opposition leaders. Members from the diaspora that have been living in uh, in France, in Paris uh, or elsewhere for uh, almost two decades came back to N'Djamena uh, last year, at the end of last year and the beginning of this year. After uh, the talks with the armed groups, uh, two uh, historical uh, uh, opponents, uh, such as the Erdimi brothers, uh, Timam and Tom Erdimi, Debbie's cousin, came back to the country after 15 years of exile. So uh, in terms of uh, uh, fixing uh, some of the long-lasting uh, disputes uh, within the DB family and within the, the inner circle, but also opening uh, to some uh, uh, historical opponents, the What Mamad Debi did, it was uh, actually remarkable. But then it became clear that uh, he was not ready to consider anything on the, the key issue of the transition, the endeavor of power of civilians uh, at the end of the 18 months. And what about the junta, these 15 generals around Mahmoud Debi that appointed him? I mean, these are generals that were close to Idris Debi, to Mahmoud's father, and they're what, the sort of northern, mostly Zagawa from Debi's clan, the sort of military elites that have been around power for, for, for a long time? Yeah, exactly, Richard. Uh, the 15 generals, member of the military junta, uh, are part of the uh, uh, inner circle of uh, uh, late President Debi. And uh, the last event showed us that uh, they are not ready for a forced uh, retirement yet. And so, as we heard up top, talks started earlier this year with rebels in Doha, including the rebel leaders from the FACT the group that Chadian forces had been fighting when Debbie's father was killed. So what happened in Doha? What were government representatives and, and rebels mostly talking about? Yeah, the gathering uh, in Doha was uh, meant to find uh, a preliminary agreement uh, between government uh, and armed groups to make the participation uh, of armed groups in the national dialogue possible. So it was the first step uh, to uh, make the national dialogue uh, in Jamena as uh, much inclusive as possible. The talks started in March this year and lasted for uh, uh, more than five months. It was uh, difficult Uh, to uh, get uh, 52 armed groups uh, on the same uh, position because uh, among the 52 there were uh, some very powerful uh, uh, armed groups uh, such as the FACT uh, and UFR, uh, CCMRS and Daughters uh, that did not accept to negotiate uh, on the same condition uh, than others uh, and less powerful groups. So since the very beginning Qatar uh, played a very significant role as facilitator uh, The government proposed a different text of a possible agreement that did not find uh, any uh, consensus among the parties. So after months of negotiation, after that uh, the uh, many uh, groups left uh, the table of uh, negotiation, finally in uh, August there was a, a, a new proposal from the government that was finally accepted by the majority of those groups. They are uh, 
some general uh, uh, mention of uh, uh, the premises of reconciliation, uh, return uh, of the armed groups leader to the countries, the one that were uh, in exile, uh, of the return of former combatants. But there is nothing specific on uh, three main issues. The reform of the National Army, uh, which is crucial for the future of the country, Because the rebels want to go into the army, basically. Exactly, and the process of integration of former combatants in the new army. The amnesty for the member of rebel groups prisoners in Chad. And as exactly as the civil society organization, a position was, ask, was asking, the eligibility of the member of the junta in the upcoming election. FACT rejected the agreement in August, refused to sign, and denounced immediately those conditions as key to get his participation for the national dialogue. But there was no will from the transitional government to give more, to do more concession towards the armed groups. So you had this deal signed by many of the groups who then joined the National Dialogue, which we'll talk about in a moment. But the deal, as you say, doesn't get to core questions. Some of the big groups pull out, including FACT and some others. But it's not like they've gone back to war with the transitional authorities, right? I mean, they're still mostly or their leaders are still mostly camped out in Libya. They declared to be ready to continue the talks and to continue the negotiation with the government. And there were actually, uh, there have been actually many different actors involved uh, in negotiation in the past uh, couple of months, from uh, the current president of the African Union and Senegalese president uh, Macky Sall to Sant'Egidio uh, to Qatar. So many people uh, at uh, international level, but also at national level, tried to mediate uh, with uh, uh, FACT, uh, CCMRS, uh, and try to involve them in the uh, post-national dialogue phase. But uh, uh, all the efforts were uh, vain for the moment. So then the national dialogue gets started, and in much the same way that only some rebels signed an agreement with the government and joined the national dialogue, so too did only some of the political opposition and some of civil society joined. Right? Other opposition groups pulled out. Yeah, exactly. The National Dialogue started on 20 August, only 12 days after the agreement signed in Doha. So uh, the preparation was rushed. Uh, at the end, uh, members of civil society and opposition were uh, flew in Jamena from uh, the diaspora, from uh, uh, the interland of the country. In those last few days, also the negotiation, the last minute negotiation with the biggest uh, platform of civil society organization, Bakitama, and uh, uh, one of the most influent uh, opposition party, Le Transformateur, also were, uh, was also uh, stepped The different uh, uh, opponents try to uh, negotiate the participation, asking for a more uh, representative uh, quota in the, the national dialogue, because they said that most of the 1,400 uh, representatives invited to the dialogue belong to the ruling party or were affiliated to the ruling party. But they also ask for the president, uh, Mamad Debi, to give uh, some guarantee in terms of uh, eligibility uh, in the election. Basically that he wouldn't stand that they wouldn't stand for election, and those guarantees were never granted. So they finally decided not to participate in the dialogue. And also other important representatives of civil society and other important uh, uh, institutions, such as the Catholic Church, 
withdrew from the dialogue after a couple of weeks because they considered that the guarantees of inclusivity and representativity were not granted in the dialogue. So they considered to, to leave the room. This left the dialogue with, with people mostly from political opposition that become close to, to the ruling party and uh, with uh, member or affiliated uh, of uh, uh, Debbie's clan. So the National Dialogue confirms Debbie as leader, results in a unity government, and that unity government includes some former opposition leaders, not the main opposition group, uh, Transformateur, which we'll talk about in a moment, but others that had been very opposed to Debbie's father. They joined the unity government and then included Prime Minister Sally Kibzabo. We heard him up top. And also some some others. So those opposition figures that are now part of the government, what sort of support do they still enjoy? I mean, does that widen out the base of the unity government, bring other constituencies in? The National Dialogue ended uh, with uh, two conclusions that uh, did not come as a surprise because uh, they were already anticipated by some of the Dialogue Commission, but uh, they did not respect the condition imposed by the African Union. The transition was extended for 24 months, so for two additional years. And uh, all the Chadians, including the member of the transitional government, uh, were considered uh, eligible uh, in the upcoming election. So they were allowed to run for election. Uh, Mama Debi was confirmed as president of the transition with the power to name and to dismiss the prime minister. So with a, a larger power than the ones they had before. This obviously shocked uh, Chadians and shocked many people that expected a change after the, the national dialogue. They've been expecting a change for more than one year. To compensate this, uh, uh, I would say, first shock, the discourse of the B after the end of the National Dialogue uh, was uh, in some way a sign of opening because he promises, he promised a government of national unity in which uh, uh, it would have included people from uh, the opposition and uh, uh, people who spent their life trying to fight uh, the B, uh, late President the B regime. And he actually did. He included uh, some member of the uh, opposition, like the Prime Minister uh, Kezabo or uh, the President of the Dialogue Presidium, who uh, have been for years, uh, very radical opponents uh, of the regime. But uh, once uh, integrated the government, uh, those people accepted uh, the uh, compromise uh, that uh, President Debi proposed them. This is why they almost uh, none of them reacted uh, to the violence uh, of the police repression uh, on 20 October. And uh, uh, even uh, uh, now, they are still uh, supporting the official position uh, of uh, armed insurrection, of the re- police reaction against armed insurrection. Most of the, those political opponents uh, were aiming to realize their lifelong uh, dream of getting uh, uh, in power. And uh, they did uh, agreement uh, uh, with uh, President Debi in this sense. So some opposition figures in the government, but not importantly, Succe Masra, the opposition leader and his transformateur party. They've sat it out for reasons that you talked about. And they were involved in the protests. I mean, is it fair to say that Masra and and that his party is a sort of more genuine representation of people in the in the south? I mean, you talked about the north south dynamic before. That they're a more genuine representation of people in the south than the former opposition politicians that are now in the government. 
Yeah, the the fact that uh, the party uh, of Success Masrale Transformator did not participate uh, in the national uh, dialogue uh, was already perceived as an exclusion of people from uh, the south. Uh, we need to understand that uh, the north-south polarized narrative has not started with the transition. What happened is that this narrative became more vocal. Uh, people are not afraid to say publicly or to write. Uh, on social media, that it's time for uh, uh, people belonging to the Zagawa clan, but also uh, to Goran and Arabs, to leave power after 30 years. And people are not afraid uh, to ask for federalism or to ask for a uh, separation, for a split of the country. This is actually something that national dialogue should have discussed. It was uh, one of the things that was included uh, in the agenda of the national dialogue. But uh, uh, at the end, uh, the assembly of the dialogue decided not to decide actually recommended the organization of a referendum on the form of the country. So the question is still open, but knowing now how the repression, knowing how close has become in the regime in giving concession to the opposition, to the demand of the opposition and to demand an important part of the population of the country, the voices from the South have become more vocal and the protests in the in the southern city show that uh, they are not ready to, to stop or to accept any compromise. And they're not ready to stop or accept any compromise. But what's next for the protests or for Sukhseb Masra and his, uh, his party? Uh, now there are uh, no many chances left for the opposition to uh, organize uh, uh, any more large coalition or uh, any kind of uh, you know democratic representation uh, to make their voices uh, uh, heard from the transitional government. The the repression that started uh, last week uh, included the, the ban of uh, the main opposition parties, included uh, arrest, massive arrest and detention. So if uh, the opposition will ever be able to uh, put together again uh, people and forces uh, to uh, organize a uh, uh, protest or to at least uh, make their voice heard. This uh, will uh, need a radical change from Ahmad Debi in terms of uh, considering uh, the opposition uh, a legitimate political actor and not uh, the instigator of an armed uh, insurrection. And we'll move in just a moment to the international politics and how the African Union, the French and others have responded to the violence, the extension of Debbie's term. But just first, Enrica, I mean, I remember asking this last time we talked about Chad on the podcast. What prospects are there for the protesters, opposition groups to join up with the rebels who themselves probably represent the graver threat to Debbie? What sort of prospects are there of a, a more sort of united opposition front emerging? It's true that uh, in many cases along the process during the national dialogue, the FACT and other ALME groups did support with statement and other declaration uh, the initiative of civil society and oppositions. Uh, leaders uh, from uh, uh, opposition party, they are in touch uh, with uh, uh, rebels. They all know each other. Uh, at the end, Chad, uh, in Chad, uh, like in many other countries, uh, rebel government and opposition uh, is a very small word. So people, uh, they to, do talk to each other. But that uh, doesn't mean that uh, something uh, bigger is getting organized and that uh, uh, rebel groups uh, that belong to different uh, ethnic groups and uh, uh, have different grievances uh, will ally with uh, opposition parties. 
And Enrique, how has the African Union responded to Debbie, in essence, ignoring its conditions? Addis has not responded uh, to uh, the conclusion of the National Dialogue. The African Union issued a statement uh, um, in September, uh, around mid-September, warning uh, the Chadian leader uh, and reminding them uh, about the two conditions. And then uh, the African Union chairperson, Moussa Faki, uh, condemned the violence uh, of the protest on the 20th October. But uh, Addis the, hasn't, take a, hasn't taken a position yet uh, on the actually uh, lack of respect of the condition uh, set at the beginning beginning of the of the transition and this uh, uh, is still a very crucial uh, step for uh, for the regional uh, uh, institution because uh, many other uh, uh, international partners are waiting for uh, uh, Addis positioning before uh, making any step and so France uh, that you you mentioned earlier obviously hugely influential in Chad very close to to Idris Deby uh, Mahmoud's father and sort of a Chadian forces, one of the main counterterrorism partners of the of the French in the region. And again, the, like the African Union, in some ways, France has been maybe not sure this is the right word, but indulgent of the transitional authorities. I mean, does that does that look likely to change with the extension of of uh, of, uh, of the transition period and 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 this crackdown on protests? France is going to face a dilemma with Chad. On the one hand, uh, the image of uh, President Macron smiling uh, during the ceremony in which uh, Mamad Debi took office uh, at the beginning of, tra- of the transition uh, still uh, affect the perception of many Chadians uh, uh, toward uh, France. The anti-French uh, set- sentiment uh, has been growing uh, in the past year uh, and uh, the proof of it are violent protests uh, organized uh, in uh, May in Jamena in which which uh, uh, people were uh, uh, calling for a departure of France and for uh, also the uh, departure of the French military bases. French flag were uh, burned in the street of Javena and Russians flag made their appearance uh, in, uh, in Chad for the very first time. Uh, so Chad can choose to uh, condemn the uh, violation of the condition set at the beginning of the transition, but uh, if it does so, it might lose a very key ally in the region, in a moment in which France already lost the support of uh, other uh, president in the region. I'm talking about the Central African Republic, I'm talking about Mali, possibly Burkina Faso after the coup of a couple of weeks ago. So the fact that uh, Chad could fall in under the influence of uh, Russia is something that uh, the leaders in Paris are taking uh, are considering very seriously before taking a decision. Enrique, you mentioned the Russian flags on the streets during the protests. Could you sort of unpack that a bit? I mean, there is this. I guess there's this element of that that's just sort of needling Paris. It's just making a point against the the French, and it's not much more than that. And you know, as you say protesters are frustrated with what they perceive as French support for for Debbie's government. They also have this idea that we talked about earlier, that if France was to take a tougher line on Chad, the government has an alternative, can go to Russia, to Wagner as a security provider, although maybe that seems unlikely to happen given the long and sort of tight relations between France and Jimena, though admittedly we thought it was probably unlikely in Mali too. And that is the sort of traditional way that Russia through Wagner, the security company that we talked about, has gained influence in 
in Africa, sort of backing leaders. I guess it's unlikely that Russia would seek to sort of gain influence through through the protests, right? I mean, that's not really Russia's style, or even, you know, for that matter, through backing rebels. Debbie's entourage has his own security provider uh, and is France, and I believe they are not ready to make a change in uh, in this sense. Uh, what we have seen in the other countries you mentioned, Richard, uh, are a regime that they were looking for uh, support uh, for a security provider that uh, was not uh, in some way represented that could not be guaranteed by uh, uh, Western uh, powers. We don't have this situation in Chad. So uh, the model of intervention of uh, uh, Russians in Chad, uh, if uh, it happens uh, in the future, will be completely different. We'll be supporting uh, a rebellion or supporting uh, some uh, kind of opposition to overthrow an existing uh, regime. And this is something that uh, Russia hasn't done for the moment in the region. Uh, so far, uh, Wagner mercenaries uh, keep uh, existing regimes uh, in, uh, in power. And this is what they did uh, in uh, Central African Republic uh, and, uh, and in Mali and might do in uh, Burkina, uh, offering them uh, an alternative to the support of Western partners to fight against rebel groups or jihadists in, uh, in the Sahel. We don't have this kind of situation in, in, uh, in Chad. There have been uh, some rumors uh, since the beginning of the year of uh, contacts between Chadian rebel groups uh, and Russians. Fact uh, elements uh, based uh, in Libya are uh, also uh, very close to Wagner mercenaries uh, uh, in that country. So there are different links that can be activated uh, and can uh, make Russian's uh, presence in Chad more uh, real. But for the moment, uh, uh, the conditions are not there uh, yet. We've talked obviously a lot about the, the protests and the dynamics between uh, the military junta, transitional authorities, and the protesters between the junta and, and rebels. But there's other stuff as well going on in, in Chad, right? There's the fight against Boko Haram, or what was Boko Haram, Islamic State's West Africa province, in the sort of border areas around uh, Nigeria, Cameroon, and, uh, and Niger, uh, around Lake Chad. Chadian forces are very involved in against jihadists in the Sahel. I mean, how has that sort of continued during the transition? Has there been much change on either of those fronts? President uh, Mahmoud Debi uh, kept his uh, commitment uh, uh, in terms of Chadian engagement in the fight against jihadism. The, the visit of uh, Niger President Bouzoum in uh, Jamena in uh, summer uh, confirmed the, the very close and tight relations uh, between the two countries in the fight against jihadism in uh, the region. Despite that, the attacks uh, of uh, uh, Boko Haram affiliated uh, fighters in the Lake Chad region have increased uh, in the past months. In, including in Chad itself? In Chad, yeah. And this is not the only border uh, that where the security situation is extremely volatile because uh, in May we had uh, more than 200 people killed uh, in uh, intercommunity clashes uh, in the north uh, on the border with Libya, mainly related to, uh, to uh, the exploitation of gold mines uh, over there. The border with Sudan uh, and South Darfur is still very unstable uh, and the violence in, uh, in South Darfur uh, uh, at the beginning of the year confirmed uh, the cross-border activities uh, and the involvement of Chadian fighters. The border with Central African Republic uh, is also, has also been unstable in the past year uh, with incursion uh, on the Chadian soil uh, by Russian mercenaries uh, chasing uh, uh, Central African rebels uh, into Chad and with uh, actually members of the Chadian army killed uh, during the, the clashes. 
members of the Chadian army killed by Russian Wagner forces chasing up the what the ex-Seleka, the rebels from Central African Republic. Six members of the Chadian armed forces uh, kidnapped and killed by Russian mercenaries uh, in May 2021, uh, right after the president that we took uh, took power. And on top of this, uh, we have, uh, as uh, we said before, uh, the north-south uh, dynamic that they're getting uh, much more uh, tense, uh, also because people uh, felt that, uh, uh, you know, an alternation in power now uh, has to come, that uh, it's uh, it's their time to, to rule the country in some way. And we have in the center of the country uh, clashes between herders and uh, farmers that uh, only in the past uh, uh, months resulted in 100 people uh, killed. Those clashes now become more recurrent and do do not only uh, involve local communities. There are also militia coming to support, you know, both sides during the clashing. And this is why the number of people killed is every time higher. So uh, all this, uh, all those situations uh, uh, do not directly interfere with the political transition in Germany, but uh, they are uh, they are like a ticking bomb for Chad because uh, in each of those conflicts, uh, some of the party can take advantage of uh, the instability. So Enrique, as you said earlier, there's this sort of uneasy quiet now. Then in the big cities, crackdown on the opposition big rebel groups waiting out in Libya. So what should we expect next? I mean, the National Dialogue set out this sort of roadmap, referendum on state structure, how much power should be devolved, and then a move towards elections. Is that all going to happen? What should we be watching for? Well, the first thing that uh, we should watch uh, are the facilitation uh, of the crisis ongoing, because uh, on uh, Tuesday evening, uh, the head of state uh, uh, of the Central Africa uh, community of the ECAS that gathered in, uh, in Kinshasa for an emergency meeting on the situation uh, in Chad. This is the sub-regional, this is the Central African sub-regional group. Exactly. Uh, named uh, the uh, Democratic of Congo president, uh, Felix, Felix Chisekedi, as facilitator for uh, the for the uh, crisis uh, in Chad. So uh, Chisekedi will join, uh, as uh, we mentioned, another group of uh, uh, people that are, offer, they are offering their good offices to solve the crisis, uh, from uh, uh, President Macky Sall uh, to uh, the Qatar uh, facilitators uh, to uh, international organizations such as uh, Sant'Egidio. So uh, all those efforts, uh, if uh, properly used by uh, President Deby, can help ease the tension uh, with uh, the uh, opposition uh, leaders and civil society, and especially with the armed groups, so that they still represent the main threat to, to the regime. So in this line, uh, if President Deby engages with the different uh, facilitation and mediation uh, initiative, uh, it can uh, create uh, the uh, condition of trust uh, also to reopen uh, some kind of dialogue uh, with opposition and uh, civil society. But uh, to do that, uh, he also must condemn the violence and the, uh, that uh, happened in, uh, on 20 October and uh, launch an independent inquiry on that. Uh, there is uh, an inquiry already open uh, by the government, uh, but uh, obviously most of the uh, Chadians are suspicious on the on the way this inquiry will be managed, uh, knowing that uh, the government, uh, the transitional government, is treating the protest on the 20th of October as uh, armed insurrection. 
But as we mentioned, also the position of the African Union in terms of uh, the respect of the conditions set at the beginning of the transition, the duration and the eligibility of the member of the transition will be crucial to, to determine the, the next step. And it's something that African Union and the other international partners should not wait too long to, to do. And broadly speaking, Enrica, for the African Union, also for the French, for the Americans, for the for the European Union, for example, which still gives a lot of aid to Chad. I mean, there is this sort of question that they face in many countries. How do you pressure a government to sort of move towards uh, handing over power to civilian authorities uh, without alienating it so much that it's, you know, then impossible to deal with? I mean, how, broadly speaking, in Chad, would you think the, the African Union, the Europeans, others, should sort of navigate that that balance? It's a very delicate balance because uh, it's true that uh, the uh, next step of the transition, if uh, respected by uh, the transitional president, uh, Deby, uh, will require quite a lot uh, of uh, international money to be to happen. Uh, I'm talking about uh, the referendum to decide the form of the country. I'm talking about uh, the organization of uh, free and fair uh, election to decide uh, the new leaders of, of the country at the end of the transition. If uh, all those steps are done properly with a census of the population, with the creation of uh, an independent uh, electoral authorities, uh, they will require a logistic and financial effort that the Chadian uh, uh, government cannot afford. So in this sense, uh, there is a financial leverage that uh, most of the wet Western partners can use to pressure uh, uh, the government uh, to try to put the rest of the transition back uh, on rails, uh, despite the violence uh, of those days. Uh, that said, uh, it's, uh, very it's a very delicate uh, uh, balance uh, because, uh, as mentioned, not none of the uh, partners uh, of Chad want to uh, lose the influence uh, that they're still having uh, uh, in the country and the government. Not only because of uh, Russians, but uh, also uh, because uh, it allows them to keep uh, uh, an eye and to keep the country in some way stable, which is essential for uh, many different considerations from uh, uh, migration flows to Europe, uh, to the stability and the continuation of the fight against jihadism, uh, to the stability of the neighbour countries. And what should we expect in terms of the, the, the roadmap that came out of the national dialogue? I mean, does this mark the, the end of any prospects for reform? I think that uh, uh, Mamad Debi had uh, a genuine uh, intention of uh, changing things uh, after 30 years of regime, uh, at least uh, at the beginning of uh, the transition. But uh, it's also clear that he was not ready to go uh, too far in those changes. And this is why uh, uh, we had this, uh, this unexpected situation in which uh, the country, um, the citizens of the country felt finally free to express their opinion and uh, they finally saw some uh, opportunity to find to uh, participate uh, in politics uh, and uh, in power for a few months, and then uh, suddenly uh, an outbreak of violence, a crackdown on protesters. Uh, there was uh, that uh, uh, imply uh, uh, unusual uh, violence, uh, even for a uh, long-standing uh, regime. So, in this sense, uh, I uh, I think that uh, what we can expect uh, and what was made pretty clear by the protests uh, the other day is that. 
get uh, uh, the long-standing power, the inner circle of uh, late President Deby is not ready to leave uh, uh, power. And this will mark the rest of the uh, transition. There will be uh, some opening, there will be some, uh, the, the transitional calendar will probably be respected, uh, at least uh, on paper, uh, in terms of organizing referendum and organizing election. But the trust uh, with uh, Chadians has been uh, has been already uh, broken. The trust that was built in the first month of the transition uh, is not there anymore after protest, uh, arrest uh, and repression. So how free uh, can be elections or referendum now when uh, people are too afraid to go, to leave their houses? So even if they respect the calendar on paper, they respect their own map uh, on paper, it's very it's very unlikely that uh, the participation uh, and uh, the transparency of those processes will uh, ensure that uh, people could finally participate in politics and could finally have a chance to change uh, the situation to change the regime so maybe enrica to end just sort of ask one more about uh, let me ask one more about about debbie himself mahmad debbie um i remember when his father when idris debbie was killed in or amid this fighting with fact, there was this strong sense that, you know, a lot could now go wrong, which you sort of expect when you know, a strong man who's held power in a very sort of personalised way um, in a country with weak institutions, a system that's sort of put in place around an individual, particularly one that represents only sort of a small part of society. When that individual dies, leaves power, you expect things to be to be quite rocky for a bit. And there's, you know, a lot going on in Chad and in the region that could be potentially destabilizing, which you've talked about. Now, Debbie himself, Idris Debbie, Debbie Senior, you know, on the one hand was this big figure. You've got to be careful not to romanticize about these these old authoritarians, but he was, was a big figure in the region. He held power for decades, deployed Chadian forces all over the place, had these close ties to France. And yet, at the same time, his government was the system that he sort of presided over seemed in some ways sort of brittle. I mean, as you said earlier, the offensive by fact, by the rebels that Debbie was killed in, that was beaten back by French airstrikes. And from what I remember, that was because some in the army were reluctant to fight fact, uh, the fact rebels because fact leaders are also Zagawa, also members of Debbie's clan, like many of the top brass in the army, as you know, indeed are other rebel leaders. And I mean, I remember people talking at the time about uh, Debbie's rule and that although he was deploying his forces you know, to fight jihadists all over the region, you know, in fact, the biggest threat to Debbie was probably likely to come from within his his own his own community. So in some ways, it's, you know, it's a tough game, uh, Chadian politics. So 18 months into Mahmoud Debbie's rule, how do you see him faring over the over the coming years? It depends because uh, he will have to deal with the ambition of, of his brothers because there were actually also two other brothers that were uh, kind of on the short list to take power, uh, Abdel Karim and uh, Zakaria. Uh, at the end, uh, they were not chosen because uh, they were involved in uh, scandals. They did not really have a good reputation, uh, uh, external reputation. So at the end, the, the choice fall on, uh, uh, on Mamat, but uh, there are other members of the family that they have ambition uh, to power. So uh, it's not uh, even guaranteed that uh, Mamat will manage to remain there. Uh, Mamat has the advantage of having both his mother and his wife, uh, Goran, so a member of the Goran uh, ethnic group. And this uh, uh, well allows him to have uh, 
let's say, a good perception on the army because uh, the Goran are the second uh, ethnic group uh, composing the army after the Tsagawa. And also, uh, you know, some kind of better relations with some of the armed groups because most of the fact members, uh, as you said, were from the Goran uh, ethnic group. So... Uh, the fact of having, uh, you know, this double uh, belonging uh, to both Zagawa and Gorani acting group, uh, it's something that uh, made him uh, a good choice uh, at the beginning. Uh, but it doesn't mean that the other uh, uh, members of the family, of the clan, the Arabs, uh, for instance, uh, will not be, uh, you know, willing to grab power or to get uh, another candidate to the uh, uh, to the presidency after the transition. So um, I think Mamat, uh, well, he had already some uh, post of responsibility, he was uh, head of the presidential guard and the security service. So he already held, uh, you know, very, um, very important responsibility under his father regime. But in some way, the, he built this public figure in the last year. He was not somebody used to make speeches or uh, to talk with political leaders. He became a politician in the past year. And uh, I think he did it in a different way compared to his father. But it's difficult to say if... Uh, it will manage the internal competition of power. Enrique, thanks so much for, for coming on. Thank you, Richard. Hold Your Fire is a production of the International Crisis Group. I'm Richard Atwood. You can find all of our work on Chad and the region and everywhere else we cover on our website, crisisgroup.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at Crisis Group. Thanks to our producers, Kevin Murphy, Heiko Schaub. And thanks, of course, to all of you. To our listeners, please do get in touch. Podcast at crisisgroup.org or write to me directly. I would at crisisgroup.org if you have any suggestions or questions. If you like the show, please do say something nice about us. Leave a positive rating or review. And I very much hope that you'll join us again next week. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.